place that we can. I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I am. I am ready for the holiday, but I'm not ready. I don't feel ready this week. I feel very unorganized. We'll ease you in right. like like a slug into a lake. Oh, that sounds really pleasant, actually. Yeah, like a warm lake as well, like there's some sulfur shit going on. Mm, and I'm just a little slug on the shore. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. A, little, a little video game slug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how are on? you, slug Joe? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I um, yeah. It's been a. It's been a. Feels like it's been a long time between pods, but it's only like a couple of days, right? Or a few yeah. days. Yeah. I feel like I've lived an entire lifetime since we last did the pod. Yeah, dude. Well, exactly. You came to visit me. I came to visit. I came to good old Melbourne town. Yeah, which was fantastic. Got some pics. Yeah. Had a yep. meal. It was it was just such a nice time. So nice to see all my friends. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also just to be in the city because I didn't even really go to the city after the initial lockdowns, you know? Like, yeah, right. I feel like I just became a suburban boy. Uh, suburban lad yeah um but yeah it was wild being in the city and seeing how many uh businesses didn't make it you know a lot of a lot of ghost town vibes a lot of yeah. empty shops um yep. couldn't couldn't help but notice uh that old eb games was nowhere to be seen oh um, they moved oh they moved did they i was yeah. like oh that's telling of the times yeah I wish right, it was telling of the times. No, they just moved. I think they're on Elizabeth Street now. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. From one cursed location to another. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine yeah. working at like the EB Games on a Friday night and it's like late night shopping or whatever in the CBD on Swanson Street, like right next to that Maccas and stuff? Like, uh, wouldn't that oh just be God. the worst spot ever? Yeah. It would be so full on. And like even... Even relatively good EBs that are, that are out of the way are still just a bit cursed depending on, like, what's happening in the gamer culture. Yeah. You know, like, I remember going to a midnight launch once for um, Far Cry 4, and it was just, like, the sweatiest, grossest collection of people I've ever been around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. That's interesting you bring that up because one of my like little chicken nuggets wasn't even really a wing for this week was an article on Kotaku by Ruby and it's talking about what was their favorite memorable midnight launch that they've been to. Oh, no shit. So it's funny that you bring that up. You were at midnight launch for Far Cry, did you say? Yeah, Far Cry 4. And it was, um, it was also a midnight launch for Grand Theft Auto 5 on PS4 and Xbone. Oh, right. Because they, you know, they'd only been on the previous gen. And, uh, yeah, it was just this double whammy of grossness. And, like, I was, you know, I was definitely gross at that time. I was 23. I didn't have a lot going on. <laughs> I was depressed as fuck. Like, it was, I was part of the uh, the B.O. miasma. The B.O. miasma. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's got to be a wordplay there. B.O. something, you know. And miasma is good, but... <laughs> We'll we'll get, we'll come back to it. The bo biome. <laughs> How's wow, that? that is better. Not bad. That's great. Yeah. That's great. The slug is growing wings. <laughs> yeah, he's sprouting wings. He's flying <laughs> out of the the lake. Um, yeah, dude. I I went to uh, a couple. I did 
the midnight launch for Metal Gear Solid Five. Metal Gear Solid Five. Oh yeah, wow! Yeah, I was very excited for that game, and um, that one was pretty gross. Not that bad, but pretty gross. <laughs> uh-huh. There was a lot of people there. Um, it was at the mm-hmm. Swanson Street EB. Oh wow! There you go. Yeah. Um, and I also went to the midnight launch for. Oh god. I feel like there was another one that I went to in the city, but in Albury, I went to the midnight launch for Modern Warfare 2. Wow. Which is going back. Throwback. Yeah. Throwback. Yeah. I feel like there was another one. I feel like as I was reading this article, I was like, yeah, there was three and I counted them off my head and I was like, that'll be fun to talk about on the podcast. And I can't remember (laughs) two right now. Oh, well. (laughs) Yeah. Midnight launches are a weird phenomena, you know, like we, we... Uh, do they still do them? Uh, oh, dude, I am the wrong person to ask. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I imagine, well, I don't know, because we did those stats at the end of last year and it was like, you know, 94 point something percent of sales are digital these days. So, like, mm. you can literally play it at midnight on the dot if you preload the digital version. So, I don't know, like, why you would want to leave the house at midnight to go and get a physical copy and then potentially, like, wait to download patches and shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I feel like the midnight launch isn't as supported as it used to be with, like, the modern way we play video games. Totally. Yeah, you can't just, like, crack it open, crack open the box when you get home and start playing the video game. you got to, like, sit around. And by the time you start playing, it's, like, 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah also like i only did that one midnight launch and even at 23 like i got back home at like 12 30 or something because i lived pretty close to the eb i went to and like by 1 30 i was really tired you know like yeah. i'd only played an hour it's just i don't know i feel like getting up early the next day is is where it was at for me rather than staying up all night yeah well didn't we do that with super smash bros the fabled super smash bros ultimate day where we just like <laughs> got up and got the game and yeah that, that was delicious. Grabbed that a coffee together. Yeah. Fantastic day. Yeah, yeah. I remember it. I remember it well. Um, yeah. Hell yeah, man. Midnight launches. Weird. <laughs> what a weird thing that we do. <laughs> yeah. Um, Very strange. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, though, um, been, you've been doing pretty good. Yeah. Been doing pretty good. Feel nice. Like, feel like it's been a much less hectic week than the weeks prior, so that's really good. That's great. You've been uh, you've been playing anything? Oh, that's right. We talk about what we've been playing. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm back in the lake. Oh my god, the wings have dissolved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I flew too high, too fast. <laughs> um, Sluggerous, slick. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Oh, my headphones fell off. All right, we've arrived. <laughs> it's pretty good isn't it um okay yeah what have i been playing i played a bit of apex this week Uh, oh yeah i'm bad man i'm bad at first person shooters i'm just bad at them Um, yeah i mean do you play with a keyboard and mouse when you play apex i do but i picked up the controller last night and i was having a slightly better time so maybe i'm going to try and rely on the old aim assisted controller version yeah, I gotta say, when when I went from like keyboard and mouse to controller, I just I can't get back to keyboard and mouse now. I feel I feel like a mega noob. Yeah. Um, I played a bit of Hunt Showdown, which was good. Oh, nice. Get back into Hunt. Um, 
Yeah, they're, they're still supporting the heck out of that game. There's like all sorts of new um, quest lines and challenges and good bits to be had. Uh, it's supposed to be a new boss coming in soon. I feel like I say that every time I talk about Hunt, but there still is no new boss, but it's coming. <laughs> That's sick. Um, and I played a little bit of Factorio, which was very good. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've been watching Phoebe smash Factorio the last oh, couple of nice. days. Hell yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are your observations? Um, oh, man. I mean, it just, it looks like a good time that would never let me go, you know? <laughs> and I'm, yeah. I'm, she's playing it with a trackpad, which honestly just looks like arthritis hell. Mm. Um, but she's making it work and, uh, yeah, we'll be like listening to podcasts or whatever and she'll just, she'll just crack that bad boy open and uh yeah optimize as much shit as she can and yeah. uh yeah it, it's very attractive to me very attractive game yeah i was um i got recommended through like whatever google news whatever um a video uh about this youtuber that was playing factorio with like this crazy mod that was um it adds shipping to the game and like you have to build these ships which have like these huge storage containers on them for shipping containers and that's how you progress after a certain point so it just like adds this whole chunk to the middle area of the game that makes wow. things like really expensive but also you can store way more and you're on an island um yeah they just changed a whole bunch of stuff in this mod and i was like oh hell yeah now i want to play the game and finish it so i can start playing with the mods but i don't know if that'll ever happen <laughs> it does seem like the the kind of game where like you play for 20 hours and then you'd be like mm, i'm gonna start again i can definitely do this better yeah yep i've done that three times <laughs> there you go yeah. there it is yeah um that's sick though dude it sounds like you've been getting into those online video games yeah um yeah pretty much um I feel like there was something oh the game of the month that's what i've been playing that's not online oh nice yeah yeah, I um I played a bit of that too. Um, yeah. Just just rounded off some stuff I wanted to do before oh, nice. we talked about it. But uh, yeah, keen to get into that. Yeah, um, yeah. I, what about you? You've been, been playing any games? Yeah, yeah. Well, I I couldn't um you know because I was away. I was uh, limited to the Switch, but uh, I decided to boot up that Earthbound. Oh. Um, which is sick. Really really cool and weird um video game from 1994 mm. which i decided to play because i watched some old kotaku videos where tim rogers did like the best of 1994 in video games he yeah. did like a top 25 list and like man that that list is is wild and you know like donkey kong country is number 21 on the list and he's like, this is a perfect video game. <laughs> like, I feel like he loves video games so much. Yeah, like, he does, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Earthbound was number one on that list. So I was just like, all right, I've got access to it. I'm going to boot that puppy up. Um, and yeah, it's it's really cool. It's really weird. It's like, it's not really my thing anymore. Like, I'm not really that keen on turn-based combat yeah um you know as much as i used to be but like it is uh kind of interesting like it's kind of like 
like playing it now, it feels like the best Pokemon game is a is a worse version of Earthbound. <laughs> Does that right. make sense? Like, yeah, yeah. It it's Pokemon has so obviously taken heaps and just lifted heaps from Earthbound, but like Earthbound has so much more character and better writing, and it kind of feels more adult, um, and just like absurdly funny. You know, like, your next-door neighbours, like, you go and talk to them. And you're, like, a kid, right? You play this kid character. And, like, you go and talk to your neighbours and their parents and they're, like, we hate your family, we, like, loaned them $100,000 and now we live in poverty. And that's, like, how they greet you. And it's <laughs> it's yeah, just right. so funny. And they, like, beat their kids and shit. And oh, it's just, what? like... Yeah, they they beat their kids and like this is a, a kids game. I think yeah, like yeah. it's it's kind of hard to tell. tell. Yeah. yeah, um, it might be the kind of thing that maybe went over the heads of of like if you were seven or eight yeah. and playing this. But like as an adult, it's it's really entertaining. Yeah, hell yeah, that's awesome. Uh, um, I've always heard people talk a lot of the hot hot shit about Earthbound. And mother yeah. and all that sort of stuff, and how it's just like it's my favorite game ever. You wouldn't understand, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have never played Undertale, and mm. I kind of I'm kind of playing this in the lead up because I hear like Earthbound was also a big inspiration for Undertale. Mm. Um, and I don't know too much about Undertale, but what I have seen, I'm like, it's really obvious that the undertale crew loves earthbound because it's just kind of got that similar twisted sense of humor and kind of yeah i i don't really know how to describe the combat like it is turn-based it's kind of like a mix of rogue like that first Mm. rogue like that we talked about where the combat is automated Mm. um and pokemon right yeah so how many hours would you say you've got into it um, I'm like maybe four or five hours. Oh, okay, so um, pretty pretty good stint. Yeah, pretty good stint, and I'm gonna keep playing it. Um, I think it is one of those epic JRPGs that is quite long. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't know if I'll finish it, but I'll keep it up and uh, yeah, report back because it's definitely it's definitely interesting to go in and and play it and just like see how much it inspired. Mm. You know, it's like watching a classic movie and like you hear all these lines and you're like, oh, that's what that reference yeah. is. Yep. Yep. Totally. Dude, I watched um. Uh, Evil Dead Rises. Oh, was it good? I thought it was fantastic. Oh, fuck. <laughs> it was like, yeah. it really reminded me of what you were saying, I think last week or maybe it, it, over dinner, uh, was talking about how horror movies have this like element of humor to them. Yeah. 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 I think that was over dinner. Anyway. Um, yeah, it was a lot like that. There was just the right sprinkling of humor in there where it was like, you know, pretty, pretty spook. It wasn't super scary as far as horror movies go, but it had like some pretty spooky moments, but then it like came up for air with like a little bits of silliness in, in the horror. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is kind of a really, really good actually. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I I still haven't seen the original, but I know like the evil dead tropes and I've seen Ash versus evil dead on Netflix or whatever it is. And I really like that. Yeah. Um, So I know the character of Ash and the chainsaw and all that sort of stuff. Right. Um, yeah, and it yeah. reminded me a lot of that, obviously, with all of the crazy gore. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, that the, that movie has one of the strongest openings in of a horror movie I think I've ever seen. Um, huh. Yeah, it just it opens with the most insane bang, um, <laughs> and you're just like left, just like whimpering, you know. And then and then it like hit, hits you with the rest of the movie, um, sort of in a more slow fashion. But yeah, that that intro is just like mind mind bogglingly um, intense. Oh, that's fucking awesome. I um. Yeah, I'm pretty keen on on the one in the cinema at the moment. Like, yeah. I've, I've seen the original Evil Dead and I loved it. I had yep. that shit on VHS as a kid. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of... Do, do you feel like you need to see any other Evil Deads to, to watch the one that just came out? Uh, no, I, I hadn't. I mean, that's, I think if I hadn't have seen the series, uh, I, would, mm. I would have been fine. Like, it's totally a serviceable, like, standalone horror movie. Sick. Um, I think as far as like the chronological series of events go, it's actually the at the start of everything. So it's before oh. Evil Dead, the first one. Oh, sick! It's okay, like Evil yeah. Dead Rising, you know, like it's a or Evil Dead Rises or whatever it's called. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's kind of the beginning of that stuff. I think as far as that, as far, as much as I could piece together without having seen the original um, and speaking awesome. to my friends who I went with. So yeah. Uh, go and check that out. It was it was really cool. Um, super super full on, <laughs> but very good. Uh, <laughs> Sick. Cool. Yeah, I might check it out. Yeah, yeah. All right. You got some chicken wings this week. I could, I got some chicken wings, baby. Um, shit. What do we got here? Oh, so <laughs> I love, every time you go through the chicken wings, I love how you say, what do we got? What do we got here? You know, like as if you're like opening the box, looking inside, filtering through the grease. <laughs> yeah, I'm wading through the chicken crumbs. Yeah. Um, all right. So we got we got more news on that Dead Space movie adaptation. Oh, hell, hell yeah. Tell me about it. Um, so last piece of news I had was like John Carpenter was like, please let me direct dead space movie um and i tend it it looks like that isn't going to be the case um so melbourne love child james wan will direct the movie adaptation of dead space cool um so yeah if you're not familiar with james wan i mean he kicked shit off with the first saw wrote and directed that with his buddy and then sold that franchise for like a billion million and then directed The Conjuring, wrote and directed that shit, then sold that franchise for a billion million, and <laughs> then directed Aquaman and literally made a billion dollars. So, like, James Wan is is hot shit at the moment. Um, but, yeah, he definitely has a very different style compared to John Carpenter. Yeah. So I think you can expect zero practical effects and yeah. a lot of CGI with James Wan. Yeah. I mean, Saw so, so was pretty practical, right? There was lots of, like, no, you know, crazy effects oh, or whatever. Totally, but yeah. I think once once he had the budget of yeah. his dreams, he's it kind of seems like he's never gone back to practical. Right, okay, fair, fair. Uh, um, yeah. What a life, though, I, just, like, inventing some horror, making some money, reinventing some horror, making some more money, leaving. <laughs> you know, he just, like, touches stuff, turns it to gold, and then scampers away totally yeah he's he's hot shit and like the last couple of horror movies he made which like (laughs) were entertaining but i didn't think were very good like they just cleaned up at the box office as well so i think studios and producers love him yeah oh good 
Um, shall we play a bit of uh, chicken tennis? Do you want to hit me with one of your wings before I go uh, on to my next one? <laughs> chicken tennis. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Um, here I am returning your serve with a piece of news uh, from Kotaku. This is Markiplier enters Hollywood with Iron Lungs movie adaptation. So, oh, okay. Yeah. You know who Markiplier is? Uh, yeah, yeah. He's like uh, the Five Nights at Freddy's dude. Yeah, he, he came... I mean, they all played that game, but he was especially well-known for that one. Um, right. He came up at around the same time as, like, Jacksepticeye and PewDiePie. Um, mm. To me, Markiplier has sort of stood the test of time a lot better than those two other guys. Right. Um, I think his content is really good, and um, he's just a, over... He seems like a really chill dude. Right. Um, cool. So, yeah, um... Markiplier has started production on Iron Lung. Um, he is set to um, direct, produce, write, and star in the movie, which is a little oh, bit of a Tommy Wiseau, you know, ham sandwich. Yeah. Is it, isn't it funny that, like, for a lot of our generation, when people say that, like, they're not like Orsid Wells, Citizen Kane, they're like Tommy Wiseau, where, like, yeah. that's our poster child for someone who, like, writes, directs, produces. Yeah. yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. Look, I I know Mark has done like video stuff for his whole life, but I think like this will be a pretty big, uh, yeah, a pretty big chunk out of the old uh, psyche. You know, like I think he's going to come right. out of this like a changed man. Um, right. Yeah. That's that's a lot of stuff to do, and I know that he's going to want to do it right. Anyway, Iron Lung is an indie horror game um, okay. where you're in a submarine. And um, oh. you don't have any windows on the submarine, but you have a little camera that you can take photos with, like really grainy Game Boy camera style photos of Sick. the outside. And um, you're sort of tasked with going to these locations and um, you use the camera to sort of tell how close you are to walls and you just sort of propel yourself through you know, X, Y coordinates of, of this map trying to, trying to do little tasks. Wow, that sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, uh, he's on that movie. Talent Attached is someone here, Caroline Rose Kaplan. Do you know who that is? No, I don't. Apparently they're in The Plot Against America, which is a TV show I haven't seen. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's supposed to be fairly well known. I, guess. I don't really, I don't know. Um, yeah, so it's uh, Iron Lung released last year on the PC for, and Nintendo Switch in December. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's kind of all I got with that news, I think. I thought that was really cool how, like, this YouTuber's first movie kind of soiree was, like, this really unknown little indie game, indie horror game. Right, um, yeah. Yeah, like a really uh, fitting way for him to jump in, I guess. Not doing, you know, like, um, what's, like, a well-known horror game, you know, like um, Silent Hill or something like that. He's right. Doing, like... It's yeah. this really obscure movie about a submarine. <laughs> That's cool, though. I feel like um, I feel like a lot of those YouTube personalities like make a lot of money through indie horror, and mm. it's kind of there's something sweet there that they're kind of giving back in a way. Yeah, I hope it does well. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. Anyway. Also, we're recording this on Anzac Day, and w like where I am, we've got low flying planes and helicopters. And oh. 
a plane just flew past and I saw it register on the on the audio recording. So if that comes through, I apologize. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was amazed because normally Discord's noise cancelling will cancel out everything, but I actually heard the plane fly over. Well, oh, like, really? Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're flying really low. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's weird, right, because I feel like they're grouping all these people that have a higher chance of PTSD than anyone else. And then they're like recreating the sounds of war. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I guess that's what, what they want, but just, yeah, I thought that was a bit ironic. Yeah. I don't know. I, <laughs> yeah, <you're laughs> I have nothing to say of this matter in public. Anyway, moving hastily along. All right. Uh, uh, you got another serving of news for me? Yeah. Yeah. I'll uh, return that lob with, okay. A hacker named Gary Bowser has been convicted of creating and selling devices that emulate 3DS and Nintendo Switch games. Yeah. Um, So the the court case is over. They've done all the stuff. He owes Nintendo $14.5 million in damages. Um, Oh, wow. So he is a 53-year-old man. And um, since, I mean, he doesn't have that money, uh, it's basically been agreed that 30% of any paycheck he earns for the rest of his life will go towards Nintendo. That's fucked. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, and uh, I got a quote here from uh, Nintendo's lawyer, AJ Singh, and uh, they reportedly said that this sentencing was a unique opportunity to send a message about piracy. Um, so, yeah, it kind of feels like Nintendo, who are pretty stringent when it comes to all kinds of shit, you know, I mean, infamously on YouTube, they, like, go, you know, there's fair use on YouTube, which allows you to use, like, clips from video games and movies and Mm. talk over them and... Like, that's what fair use is, but Nintendo don't believe in that for whatever reason, and so they'll do, like, video takedowns, and it just seems like they are particularly sensitive when it comes to, like, criticising or using their IPs in anything uh, extracurricular. But, yeah, we got we got someone whose name is Bowser. I mean, this dude's last name is Bowser. Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw that and thought that was kind of <laughs> poetic. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like a bit unfortunate that they're just like putting all their kind of ill will into the conviction of this one person. Yeah. It's really fucked up. It's really Um, fucked up. But this person was also like creating hardware that he sold that ran Nintendo games. So like, this is, this is beyond just like emulation on your like laptop or something you know this is like you had to buy hardware that he made to emulate nintendo games i think that's um i mean that is pretty blatantly stupid (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it is silly um that he thought maybe he could get away with it after like any everyone who's been in games for at least like a year i guess knows about nintendo and how litigious they are like probably you know hazard a guess that it's not the greatest idea you know you'd be like 3d printing the fake game boy whatever uh and be like maybe i 
shouldn't do this you know like there's a lot of steps along the way where i feel like your conscience or whatever or your you know common sense would catch up to you but i guess not for mr bowser yeah yeah um so yeah i just thought worth talking about that because it's wild for one that the dude's name is bowser but for two that like you know uh, nintendo have just gone so hard on this one person like the fact that they went for 14.5 million dollars in damages and got it for one yeah. 53-year-old without any savings? Like, yeah. Jesus. It's really disgusting. It really bothers me that, it, like, they're garnishing this individual, like a company, like a multi-million dollar company is garnishing yeah. this man's wages. Like, yeah. really, really bothers me. Yeah. It's like the equivalent uh, of someone suing Nintendo and saying, hey, for every dollar you earn, we're going to take 30 cents, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, that's, exactly. that's the kind of, like, that's the exact same thing, you know? Like... <laughs> Exactly. If and there was a, law- a lawsuit against them that did that, I'd be like, oh, well, it's actually not that bad that it happened to Mr. Bowser because now some some individual out there is getting 30% of everything Nintendo makes. Right. And like you say, if we kind of flip the perspectives, wasn't it just the other week you were saying uh, Epic was like suing Apple for taking 30%, yeah. even though that was like the standard? And yeah. it's just like, yeah, as soon as you put it, you turn it around. Like... It seems so fair yeah. for for corporations to give up that much, but for like some dude, just an average citizen, it's pretty fucked up. Yeah, well, I mean, like these corporations have like thousands of people working for them. You know, like you literally have the power of the masses behind you, earning you money. Mm. You know, like the <laughs> the proletariat are like. <laughs> <laughs> you know in the mines or whatever and <laughs> their dollars <laughs> are funding the lawsuit it's like fucking crazy man anyway and then like all directed towards one individual with some with some like you know stupidity or whatever who probably just deserves a slap on the wrist and maybe you know a few thousand or whatever like come on right right so like i wasn't sure if i was gonna mention it but i will now so he paid what he could which was $175. Yeah, this man has no money. He's fucking... He's a criminal. He's a criminal. Like, he's out here grinding on the streets. Like, he doesn't have millions. He's only got 100 bucks in his bank account. Dude, this is, like, the most realistic, uh, grindy video game Nintendo have ever released, except they've released it in real life onto this (laughs) 53-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, man. <sighs> Jesus. Okay. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta take a breath before I start really going hard here. Okay. Uh, I love our something something capitalism bad rants. Yeah, they're, my they're favorite. really good. Uh, <laughs> new podcast. Uh, I was actually thinking about that the other day. Maybe I'll, tell you, I'll talk about it offline though. Anyway, um, so my last piece of news. Hell yeah. Um, speaking of lawsuits, uh, oh, shit. a Lord of the Rings fanfic writer is trying to sue Amazon slash the Tolkien estate for 250 million US dollars. Wow. Yeah. Um, the, that's the, a, that's uh, a, weird. These, these amounts are just obscene. <laughs> <laughs> like, isn't, isn't a million dollars enough? Isn't oh, that enough? Man. We need those damages, baby. Oh, uh, okay. Geez. So I'll just read you the first paragraph and then I'll try and summarize the article. Um, Right. So some guy is currently suing Tolkien and Amazon to the tune of $250 million. That alone takes serious bravery, but 
What's notable about the lawsuit is the reason he's suing, copyright infringement over his Lord of the Rings fanfic. Specifically, he's arguing that Amazon lifted elements of his fan fiction for its own Tolkien adaptation TV series, The Rings of Power. Um, so the article sort of goes on to say that uh, he's saying that up to about half of the show was copied uh, from his fan fiction, um, um. which is sort of weird because like it's not it's a fan fiction <laughs> which he's trying to sell on amazon um supposedly he wrote a letter to the estate asking for permission to sell the fan fiction uh, and he got no response obviously um uh, i'm i'm so confused yeah. like uh okay so like i haven't seen the tv show yeah but i assume it's the lord of the rings story Right? Like, maybe they take some creative gambles or whatever that aren't in the books, but isn't it just the story of Lord of the Rings? Uh, no, the TV series is, like, before Lord of the Rings happens. Oh, okay. So is this, like, outside of anything Tolkien wrote? Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't read everything Tolkien's wrote uh, written, but... um, Sure. Yeah, it's uh, it still features characters from the Lord of the Rings without spoiling anything. Um, right. So... Yeah. Okay, just so I understand this correctly, you've got a corporation, right? You've got Amazon, mm. and they've bought the IP for Lord of the Rings to be mm. able to make content. Yeah. And, I mean, legally, I'm, I'm pretty sure that enables them to do just about anything with that IP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then you've got someone who doesn't own shit. <laughs> Yeah. And they're and they're like, you owe me two hundred and fifty million dollars. Yeah, yeah. I'm selling the book on your platform as well, by the way. Like, I'm selling it on Amazon. <laughs> like, Apparently, he's yeah, he's daft. This person is daft. On the back of the book uh, that this person has written, his fan fiction book, uh, he's got one king will. Okay, so hang on. His book is actually called. Um, there's a name for it here: The Fellowship of the King. <laughs> he's changed one letter so it's a completely new idea it's all new on the back of the book it says one king will gather them all one king will unite them one king will lead them against uh the evil that will smite them so you know this man is <laughs> this is this is not the actions of a mentally sound person yeah I mean, write, writing the fanfic, 100%. That sounds like a lot of fun, but fucking suing. Yeah. And, like, 250 million, like, come on. Like, yeah. ideas are free. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just make it up. Make something else up. <laughs> uh, the first comment on this Kotaku, Kotaku article I thought was quite good. It says, Tolkien Estate is going to royally fuck this dude back so hard. Lol. They are going to go <laughs> go in with no lube. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> Yeah, look, probably. Maybe we're going to get another Bowser situation here where this man will be paying Amazon 30% of his wages for the rest of his life. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I mean, as, like, the rich become richer and the poor become poorer, is that the future? Like, like the, the average citizen can no longer afford payouts, so they just get fucking... They get their garnished into earnings hell. garnished to fucking hell. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, oh. look, it, it ends... It actually ends where we're not earning money anymore we're earning like you know chits or tokens or whatever they're called oh, uh doubloons <laughs> you know where we trade <laughs> yeah. them in for things like food oh, uh, anyways okay. so um anyway all that's, right. that's my last piece of news by the way all right well 
I got I got one more shot here, um, and it's it's kind of a, a it's just a chip on the floor. It's dirty. It's soaked in shoe juice. Um, shoe juice. So, <laughs> yeah, you know the shoe juice that uh, famously adorns the grounds of McDonald's and KFC. Mm. Um, I actually know the juice well. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's black and mostly like. It's really hard to like scoop up the shoe juice if you've ever tried. <laughs> Please. Please. Um uh Sega. Sega has acquired Angry Birds creator Rovio. Oh wow. For seven hundred and six million euro. Oh. Um Yeah, so that's that's just a thing that's happened. Um, I guess I I had I mean I'm out of the game a little bit but I had kind of felt like Rovio had done their dash you know Angry Birds was huge in like 2009 2010 mm. um, and they had that movie I do, I honestly have no idea when that movie was maybe seven years ago um, but I haven't heard much about Angry Birds since then but if they're paying 706 million euro maybe maybe they're still maybe that's still a cash cow in the mobile market yeah. Is at first I was like that doesn't seem like enough money, and then I was like that actually probably is quite a good amount to pay for Angry Birds or for Rubio. Right. Um. So there was an Angry Birds movie in 2016, and then there was a, a sequel called the Angry Birds Movie Two in 2019. That's not that oh. long ago. Okay. Um. Yeah. I don't know what they made or anything. I'm not going to look at that right now. But yeah. Um. Those are the dates. So interesting. Right. Yeah. That's that's not a yeah. Interesting. I wonder what they're going to do with it. Yeah, I mean, you know, Sonic somehow is still a thing. So, like, they'll probably just inject Sonic content into their current Angry Birds offerings. Um, Yeah, don't don't you think it's weird how Sonic is still a thing? Like, we're getting Sonic movies, Sonic games that look like shit and everyone rates really highly. Like, am I just insane or is Sonic just terrible? Oh, man. I know. <laughs> Should I have not asked this right now? Uh, you've reminded me that I really wanted to do a Sonic episode. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, look, I, I have a lot of respect for the Sonic design, obviously. It's amazing. Oh, um, wow. Here we go. The life of this damn blue dude is truly, like, necromantic. Like, he just cannot die. Um <laughs> He's got his soul jar somewhere in everyone's nostalgia hidden in the 1990s. Like, it's just impossible to kill him because he can't travel back in time. Um, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I think pretty much every Sonic 3D, 3D Sonic game has been rubbish. Um, mm. I know the Game Grumps are actually playing the new one, Sonic Frontiers, right now. Right. I've been right. watching it. It's pretty pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, fun to watch. Looks, looks kind of weird. Uh, extremely weird, actually. Um, but yeah, anyway... <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't, I, I don't know I don't know why Sonic doesn't die I don't know how there's still like I don't know how there's the Sonic movies the, the third one's probably going to be coming out soon I don't know like Jeez. it just it just keeps going um, yeah so. alright well I'm, I'm we'll, we'll put a pin in that for the Sonic episode because I would love to hear you talk about Sonic at length Oh god, I <laughs> I know one other person in my life that would also love to hear me talk about Sonic and like maybe we should get them on the pod to talk about Sonic. Anyway, oh my god, yeah, if you know someone who likes Sonic or at least knows about Sonic, that'd be great. I know someone who 
unashamedly love Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's perfect. That sounds yeah. like the perfect cocktail. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. All right. What was that story? Oh, yeah. Say you're required. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm here for the Sonic episode. Sonic content, I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm actually excited for that one now. Um, all right. Hard pivot. We're going to talk about Pyre. Oh, baby. This, uh, this month's game uh, from Supergiant, one of my favorite developers, um do you have a write-up joe or i do have a write-up you went first last time right uh i don't know but i'm just super keen to hear yours so take it away all right all right here we go <clears throat> here is my write-up for pyre <laughs> okay uh pyre this game oh, no. <laughs> well i'm scared already i'm so scared this pyre <clears throat> this game is weird every mm -hmm. kid invents a new sport when they're on the playground this feels like a game devs version of one of those sports. I feel bad for not liking this thing. It's weird. It's got beautiful art, fantastic music, immaculate vibes. It's everything I always ask for when I ask for new games, but Pyre fails as a fun sports game. It only slightly carries my attention in its story, and as a result, I feel bored most of the time playing it. I feel there was less friction. Oh, sorry. I wish there was less friction between the game and the game. It feels like it wants to get in its own way to draw you into the story, but at the cost of your understanding of the sport that they've invented. It feels proud of some of its pointlessness, chest out, playing some fancy guitar music while the wagon sails from one location to the next, a wallflower, a flourish for a tick, sorry, a flourish for a trick that didn't quite work, accidentally cheering when the op opposition scores a goal. Uh, why not actually let me explore by driving the caravan maybe there's some hidden trinkets or mini rights or chatter to be had between the characters when passing by beautiful environments um yeah and I, I really love the environments i thought they were all incredibly beautiful um mm. but all you do in them is click on nodes uh, mm. which felt very disappointing some beautiful design and mechanic ideas uh, which ran through the 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 sport itself which were mm -hmm. all kind of made pointless or ruined for me by the sort of design flaw of you go fast, you win. Mm -hmm. uh, as soon as I learned this, the game felt like it was on easy mode and I learned it fairly early on um, and not in a good way, not like a nice easy mode. Um, <laughs> it felt trivial to send in the big blocker, block a path, kill a guy or two, and then switch to the dog or some other speedy guy and then just sprint the ball to the flame on repeat. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd read through dialogue between characters, not fully grasped the situation, choose some options that favored my fastest character, do a battle, and feel sad and bored when I beat it again by using the same strategy. It's like netball, but the opposite of netball. It's a game that turns you away at the door, waits for you to gain enough intrigue about what's going inside before beckoning you back inside, showing you its trinkets one by one, but by that stage you might be already thinking about how outside was nicer anyway. That's all I got. That was great. That that was your best preamble yet. Very, very insightful around like kids making up like ball games in like during recess or whatever. And this is like the video game developer version of that. I hard agree. That's yeah. exactly what this felt like. Um, wow, we had uh, really similar takes. Shall mm. I shall I read you mine and then we'll we'll jump into the weeds. Absolutely. Let's go. All right. Pyre is a video game mirage. 
You see it off in the distance and the arresting art style wavers in the air. You hear beautiful music that conjures up images of adventure and exotic possibility. Moving closer still, punchy writing adorns the trees of this weird desert oasis slash video game metaphor I'm going for. <laughs> Finally, at the centre of Pyre, you breathe in its structure. The possibility of that delicious supergiant medley that looked so good from a distance is revealed to be a shallow and somewhat repetitive exhibition. The ingredients are all here. The art, the music, the setting. However, you walk away feeling like you've just played a really long demo. Mm. that's it yeah yeah nice nice um really similar take though uh the the art style is beautiful just striking as all hell yeah so varied Um, as well like each of the new biomes or environments that we that i went through was like wow look at this cool giant thing over here that we're playing the sport under supposedly totally Um, that has very little impact on the actual game you know like it felt like art had like the sorest back because they were carrying the whole production. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, man, this was a really weird one for me. Yeah. Right. Um, because this, this was the only super giant game I hadn't played. Um, so how far did you get? Um, so I got up to the point where, um, oh, who's the dude in the hat? Uh, Jordriel. No, not Jordriel. Um, he sort of oh. shows up and you like are looking for him for ages and then he shows yeah, up. Yeah, the client or like yeah, the, the, um, the informant. The informant, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. That guy, he shows up and he says, um, I know that you're not really like the best speaker or whatever. Like you're not really well suited to this. You kind of just fell into this. And just so mm-hmm. you know, only one person can escape at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where right. I left it. Okay. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I played a little bit further than that um, because it's it's like you play that first half, right? Mm. And you're going to new environments and meeting new characters. And like, you know, like you say, the, the art is pulling a lot of weight here. Like all the characters, they were so fucking funny looking and cool and yeah. like interesting. Um, all the environments you go... And then you you kind of do this thing where, like, you get to a point where you start having battles where you can basically free some of your party members from exile. Right. um, Which is, like, the the overall goal for the whole thing. Like, all of you want to get out of exile and get back into the the regular kingdom or whatever. Maybe maybe Um, we should just describe a little bit what the actual game is as well. Maybe you do it after or something. I don't know. I feel like we sort of skipped over that bit. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... I, I feel like we're a bit all over the place like the game is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, things start off, uh, literacy is banned and you're a reader, you're in the desert, uh, you're hungry, you're thirsty, you're about to die, and uh, these miscreants in this caravan pull up and they're like, you know, if you read shit for us, then you know, you can get in on our deal. We're trying to escape and get out of exile. And you're like, okay. Um, and so then you basically got, you read the stars and guide them to uh, specific places where the constellations line up and you perform uh, these things called rites, which is basically cosmic netball, yep. um, which as Joe said in the preamble very boring 
Um, I put I put the difficulty up to hard just to try and get some excitement happening, and like it didn't help. Yeah, um, I the, feel like the there ma- was like a core issue with the AI. Sorry, I didn't want to cut you off, but the AI felt busted in a lot of ways. Well, I was about to say the the thing that was the biggest drawback for me is like any other sports game. Um, even like, uh, like street basketball is, is kind of similar. That street basketball series where you've got three to a side Mm. when you're, you're controlling a character and you're running around the other members of your team have AI controlling them and moving them around. And Pi doesn't have that. You only one character can move at a time and, it just makes things so slow and boring and like easy to score because mm. uh, like there's no like shooting to get it in a basket. You just have to, I mean, you can shoot the ball, but you just have to run into the pyre, right? Yeah. And so, you, you, you know, you technically need to get around three characters to score, but only one of those characters are moving and yep. it's really easy. <laughs> yeah. Like it's incredibly easy to do that. Yeah. I feel like they, I don't know, something was really broken about that design and they just like piled on, you know, they were like, all right, we got this kind of interesting sport idea. Now we're just going to like shovel a bunch of art and story on top of it. And it like just never, you know, it's like a rickety foundation from the start. Like if you're going to build mm. your like, beautifully crafted story on top of you know a kind of broken netball netball game then it's like you know this would this this might have worked if the sport was actually cool yeah Um, and i was watching watching reviews dude i was like am i am i I wrong or is the children wrong uh i think the children are wrong on this one all the reviews were like this is great i can't wait to play more pyre yeah are you serious like yeah pass to the dog and win like just pass to the dog (laughs) and win dude yeah and um yeah there was like a few moments where the gameplay loop was really satisfying Mm -hmm. right because it's kind of um you know despite none of the elements being that strong i feel like it moved things around a lot so like you would chat to people in your caravan you would um, spend spare time and you could like use that spare time to like find resources to get better gear or you could spend time like training a specific character um, and yeah like I feel like the pace was actually really cool um, but it's just that like none of the things you actually engaged in were actually that fun or yeah. interesting yeah it's yeah, it, it's definitely a weird game. It's definitely a weird one. Um, mm. And so you would have played a couple of the, like, gameplay interludes where you've got to, like, protect the caravan from, uh, like, n- yeah. night beasts or, yeah. like, pop bubbles as yeah. the, the ocean worm. And I could not believe how bad those things were. Yeah. Like, they... They just felt like the most basic of gameplay demos for, like, a game that focuses on movement or something, you know? They just felt so undercooked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, pop and pop bubbles, man. Like, what is this? What are we <laughs> doing here? I, I nearly stopped playing yeah. at that point when we were popping yeah. bubbles. I was like, are you serious? Like, this is... 
This is not good. This yeah. is like um, the equivalent to like some mobile game where you pop bubbles for currency and that's the entire game. Yeah. Like that's what it felt like. Dragging a character around a screen so that all of the bubbles go away. Um, <laughs> I, I, I will say I did like the... Um, different kind of factions you know like you would come across like the dog team or whatever the what oh are they, what are yeah. they called the, i don't know what they call the dogs in this land but they're kind of like humanish and they can speak and they got really long weird bodies and they all had personalities that were different to like the bird people who were like mm. harpies or whatever and they were kind of angry and then there was like the snake guys and the swamp folk you know like they all had <laughs> Dude, they were all so weird and cool, you know? Like mm. like I said, there was so much in this that I, like, ask for in other games. You know, make something that's weird and, like, be unashamed about the weirdness. And I feel like they did that. But, yeah, it's just still... Like, the story didn't quite grasp me as I kind of was hoping it would to, like, power me through to do the bad sport. You know? Like, if, yeah. if there was something a little bit more kind of gripping about the story, then maybe I would have been able to push through the bad sport. But, yeah. And, yeah. and like some of the design stuff was cool too like in the bad i'm gonna call it the bad sport from now on just so you know in the bad sport <laughs> you could like um after you like level up one of your heroes a certain to a certain point by playing mm. as them or by like you know spending time with them or whatever they would earn these abilities and the abilities were sick you know it was like mm. sprint 25 percent faster when you're sprinting or like when you land really or when you jump as the heavy character when you land you do like stun damage to anyone nearby and mm. all these like little elements that like hinted at like making the sport good you know mm. like there's so much cool stuff going on there and there was one character who could like make a teleporter when they died or something and you yeah, could instantly yeah. teleport your other team members through the teleporter i was like that's so cool um yeah. but again it all sort of fell apart when you just played as a fast character and you're like yeah oh, just put my big man here and that like the aura or whatever blocks the other guys if i need if anyone goes past them and then i just change the dog or the lizard and just run run the ball yeah yeah i i agree i like purposefully didn't choose fast characters all oh, right by the by the end because it was just like so easy yeah um and there are a couple of things like um, you know, when you're traversing the lands, characters will be like, oh, we should go this way because of this reason or, you know, another character will argue that the other way is better. Yeah. And depending on the way you go, you get different things, like you get resources or you get like a temporary stat boost or sometimes if you piss a character off, they like, um, they'll be like demoralized yeah. for the next round of bad game. And I thought that I thought that was cool. Like it felt cohesive in that you know at the start of every match you choose your team and like you're going to prioritize characters that have buffs and over characters yeah. that are feeling demoralized or whatever um so yeah like so much of the stuff fed into this satisfying gameplay loop that fed into the gameplay itself but the gameplay was just so underwhelming mm. that it kind of all fell apart because of it yeah um and so just after where you got up to, right, where you find the informant, um, you you do a right. And if you win, you send someone home. And if the other team wins, they get to send someone home. Right. Um, and then uh, the constellations open up and you get you, you, your, your wagon uh, grows wings and you mm -hmm. get to fly wherever you want. Um, however, you can still only, like, 
land on certain nodes, right. you know, like it's not like an open world all of a sudden. It's just still kind of segmented. Um, but, yeah, so you can fly wherever you want after that battle and you're just replaying teams you've already played. Oh. <laughs> and, yeah, and so that that's it. That's the yeah. rest of the game. And but depending on the um, routes you take and the characters that you release, you get all these different kind of endings and story yeah. beats. Like, I remember seeing the, in this, like, um, documentary I was watching where Supergiant were making Hades, and they were like, you know, we wouldn't have been able to make Hades without Pyre because, like, Pyre has, like... It was absurd. It was, like, 600,000 branching dialogue trees or something, like, yeah. depending on... Um, you know, which route you take after that that first battle where you release someone. Mm. And I'm like, I'm so glad that that is the case and you knocked it out of the park with Hades. But, mm. like, as, like, a, a, just looking at the development of the project, it felt like they didn't have a producer or some shit. Like, right. it that that was reportedly where so much of the work went. And oh, it's, af- it's after the halfway mark and it's already rehashing over stuff the mm. player's already seen. And yeah. I was just like, man, why would you put that much work into this portion of the game? Like, it just felt so weird to me. Yeah, that's extremely weird. I mean, I, I think it's kind of nice because it's like they actually failed, you know? Like, they actually right. made a bad thing. And then in the <laughs> in the follow-up, they made one of the best games... Or I. I personally don't love it all that much but a lot of people really love it and think of it as their favorite game ever hades yeah you know like they follow yeah. it up with hades mm. like game of the year for so many publications and like mm. won every award like you go from like objectively i think objectively quite a bad sport game to mm. hades <laughs> like mm. that's such a great redemption arc and i think that's really cool like if, if you can rebound from a mistake and like learn from all the terrible choices you made to mm. to do something like Hades, that's that's really cool. And I think yeah, if they hadn't have made Pyre, maybe they would have made some of the same mistakes in Hades that they made in Pyre, and it would have been a disaster. Right. And I think this is just one of those benefits you get when you have a studio that consistently tries new things. Mm. You know, like it's it's only after Hades that they've started doing a sequel, and you know they're going to do Hades two or or whatever. But I feel like like Bastion saw heaps of praise yeah. and you know was successful financially and critically and then transistor same deal like you know again reviews just a guide to what's popular not a guide to what is good but you look at the reviews to transistor and they're all nines and tens yeah. and it's just like i i feel like they because they were just playing with the method like they were able to fail at least, well, it's weird because, like you say, <laughs> I'd heard good things about Pyre. Yeah. You think, like, the children are saying that it's good, but I'm with you. I feel like, objectively, this is, like, this is underdone. This yeah. is, like, unfinished. There's a few ideas that are cool, but ultimately it feels like most aspects of the game are left unexplored. Do you think there's a fix for the bad sport? Like, what would you do to make an adjustment to that game to make it more pal- uh, palatable? Uh, no, I think they they went all deviant art and they were trying to be too original. Right. You know, they were like, well, we can't use an actual sport, so let's 
go for this sports adjacent thing and it, it like sport sports are fucking awesome which mm. is why they're like so embedded in our culture right which is like fucking duh but they've tried to invent something that is just like historically incredibly hard to invent yeah. and it's really just comparable to a bunch of other sports with heaps of mechanics missing yeah and i don't understand how you can expect a good outcome from something like that yeah yeah i mean i think your sort of intuition before of saying how like in other sports games like nba the three-player jam or whatever it was where you'd like mm. control one guy at a time and then your other teammates were moving on their own as well like they had ai mm. i think that would mm. maybe be a step in the right direction um it throws off a whole bunch of rules and balance stuff and mechanics that they have embedded but potentially if you were to like strip all that out and just have that as a starting point you'd you know maybe then you would just make nba jam right but like at least it would be some better starting point than than this sort of like it's like the definition of clunk you know it's like it actually feels <laughs> like clunk when you play it because you're like okay, okay i can't move this guy i gotta throw it to him clunk ball goes to him all right now everyone else is in the wrong place oh they're dying because i left them in the middle of the field clunk throw the ball to the wrong place now everyone's dead now there's timers clunk again like it's just like <laughs> clunk after clunk it feels like the game like i said the game is like uh it, like, what did I say? Um, it, uh, less friction between the game and the game. Yeah, <laughs> like, there's so much friction yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, I agree, and I think I think you're right. If it like the setting is awesome, mm. right? Like it's this fucked up, like exile, deserty world with lots of dangers and. Like, the world building is really cool. Like, you're with all these exiled characters and they're all fucked up and weird and awesome. And, like, it would be sick if you just played basketball. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, if you just played basketball, that that could have been... Like, they just... Like you said with the story, like, it wasn't enough to keep you going. And, honestly, none of it was enough to keep mm. you going. They just needed like one thing whether it was like the loop itself the gameplay or like the story they just needed one thing to knock out of the park to like get you over the other stuff but like yeah after i don't know i reckon five or six hours there just wasn't anything to keep me yeah that's fair yeah i mean that might that might be the fix right like to answer my question of what is the fix to like make the sport not bad is could just it could just be make it a sport that isn't bad you know make it <laughs> make it basketball but with like you know unique characters like this character can dribble really good like they bounce the ball real fast and so they can run real fast or like this character's really big and so when they like try to grab the ball from someone else they have an easier job of doing it or whatever i don't know you just like i mean that, that that is just regular basketball That's, video games yeah, yeah. so like, the stats are just like <laughs> you just pull the stats you know and just make them like yeah. interesting looking characters um yeah so yeah yeah i don't know man i don't know i guess they maybe yeah. they they're smart people over at Supergiant. like they probably had these similar realizations at, at certain points along the way right like they must have they must have yeah I mean, I don't know. I hope they did well financially. I mean, they obviously did well enough that they could, you know, keep going on to the next project. But yeah, it um, it feels like a pretty big miss for me. Mm. And my consensus before going in was, you know, this wasn't the best game ever, but this is a very good game to look mm. forward to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for, for me, just like, you know, putting it down 
forever <laughs> at this it's point. Fine. Yeah, the, it, it's fine. And like my takeaways are: the art was incredible, the music absolutely slams. Yeah. Um, like there, there actually was one really cool moment. Um, that bit where you first. Um, I think you mentioned it in your preamble where you first um, go nautical and the guitar starts up and you're with your buddies and you're all chatting. And I loved that. I was like, this is the kind of camaraderie vibes I was hoping for in Final Fantasy XV. Yeah. Like, and I feel like this delivered that in that moment i was like hell yeah i'm with my my dudes and they're all pretty cool and mysterious and we're going on this journey and like darren corb's voice is amazing and yeah Yeah. i just i just feel like that was a really good moment and you know this game had a couple of really good moments but like there just wasn't enough yeah yeah i guess like yeah if when in my preamble when i was talking about the um driving the caravan like if if the environments were slightly more spread out which i know means like making them less interesting to look at because they're so jam-packed with beautifulness but if you Mm. could spread them out and have it so that you actually drove around and found little mini battles or like Mm. areas where like one of one of your teammates would be like hey i remember or i know about this little thing and they'll tell you about it and then have a little reflection on their life you know like mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you said about final fantasy 15 it feels like that was the dream of final fantasy 15 it's like mm. driving around in the car with your good leather boys and having them tell you about their lives um when really that yeah. world was so open that it just meant like these are really broad loading screens with optional battles so i don't know like maybe that's not the answer maybe this like whole idea of a caravan of miscreants and like you know, as a means to get between segments of gameplay and story is just fundamentally kind of really hard to pull off. Mm, I don't know if there's any examples of this thing but done better. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you kind of get that in those classic JRPGs, right? Like, Mm. I mean, Final Fantasy was always about hanging out with the group that you're going along with and you know a lot of those final fantasy games are really good at that um i guess the the thing that changed with final fantasy 15 or or you know what we wanted to see was this with this game was just having more freedom Mm. like having more freedom to kind of choose and find those moments for yourself where you're like oh yeah i'm with the gang and we're having a good time (laughs) the gang (laughs) <laughs> um yeah yeah i i also felt and i know we're sort of running out of time here but one final feeling um for me yeah. is that i felt like there was a lot of things that you could do in the game you know like certain characters could like cast and some of them could like do this explosion thing instead of casting and sometimes mm-hmm. you could like yeah teleport or whatever there's all these mm-hmm. different things that you could play with but the battles felt really short to me and like, mm. I know there was training or whatever, but I, I would have just loved for it to be like, hey, let's like practice against these randos that we found out in the thing. And they're actually not antagonistic. They just want to practice too. And like, we can just practice our little, little plays together, like more chances to like practice different techniques, you know, mm. like mm. if if there wasn't just a speedy character or whatever, and you could just like it, the game kind of enforce this play. I felt like mm. the game was like, you know, the sport part of it was like, uh, hurry up do the sport uh, and now we're gonna get out and now we're out oh, okay thank goodness it's over time to like get in the caravan and see the art again you know like it feels like they're really like rushing to the end of the sentence with the sport um, yeah. and i never got yeah. a chance to actually play it 
Yep. Um, I agree. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my final thought. Yeah, nice. All right, well, Pyre, I mean, again, this is... Uh, I thought it was uh, a bit funny that, like, after Citizen Sleeper, you were like, oh, I just wanted a bit more video game. Yeah, and then and you like, gave it to me and I hated it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, as I was playing this, I was like, well, this is exactly what Joe asked for. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, okay, well, uh, have you got a 1D4 to yeah. uh, choose our next game? Yeah, I do. Hang on, I'm just going to turn around and grab it. No, you're right. <laughs> Uh, what month are we up to? Oh my god, does that mean we're choosing the game for May? Jesus. Oh my god. I can't find my dice. I'm going to have to do Google 1D4. That's alright, we're rolling. There's going to be no editing this episode. Uh, so, enjoy this time. Okay, the game, I roll a 4. Does that mean anything to you? (laughs) It's a Slime Rancher 2. I'm just joking, don't worry. Slime Rancher 2, okay. Cool. So, this... How'd you hear about this game? Uh, from a long time ago when Slime Rancher was kind of in the in the public eye, I guess. Um, right. When they when one was pretty successful uh, and I heard two was really good. And I was mm. like scrolling through the old Game Pass arena before and thought, hey, there's Slime Rancher. Let's try that. I've heard it's, I've heard it's good. So, yeah, I've, I've never played it. I've seen minimal gameplay. I know that there's slimes and I know they're cute. <laughs> and that's all I know. Cool. All right. I'm keen. And um, just for those keeping track, uh, Joe's rolling again this month because when he went over our four games last month where we chose Pyre, that was actually my list. So yeah, we're, we're, we're making up for lost time. On accident. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, sick. All right. Slime Rancher 2. I'm psyched. Slime Rancher 2. Go ranch those slimes. <laughs> um, dude, cool. we actually have an, uh, an email. Oh, shit. Awesome. All right. Uh, let her rip. All right. Hold up. My internet's slow for some reason. Oh, God. <laughs> Something went wrong. Refresh to try again. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> Where, uh, how are we, how we sp- still talking yeah. if your internet is gone? Uh, oh, no, it's, it's all good. It's all good. It's back. I think it was just <laughs> Gmail was struggling. All right. So this is an email from a friend of the pod, Pete. Yo, Pete says hi joe oh sorry hi i got the first (laughs) (laughs) i'm not equipped for this i've been talking too long hi daz and joe congratulations after a year of it's almost the weekend as the pod blazes through yeah thank you as the pod pod blazes through like a rocket ship with no steering wheel continually soaring (laughs) to new heights time after time well, while we choke on our wet, frothy gamer mouths in delight and wiping our greasy fingertips on our stained sweatpants, eagerly <laughs> waiting eagerly for the next chicken bite of news, please never stop the chaotic chicken feed. No, we won't. Um, episode forty-seven, hyperbole of uh, hyperbole of AI was an absolute uh, was absolute gold and scary at the same time. Can I just say I completely agree with the beautiful statements and thoughts you both shared? For the importance of artists around the world, talking about this subject was incredibly eye-opening. Uh, I have a couple of questions on your thoughts on some possibly on some possible scenarios for the future of games with AI slash chat GPT. Oh, cool. Yeah, here we go. Uh, Would it be a good idea or at least interesting, for example, if games developer like CD Projekt Red used a chat, uh, used a system like chat GPT that's built into their NPCs that it can only access the law of the writing staff 
or the Witcher novels content with permission of the license. Um, wow, that's an interesting idea. Yeah, I've been I've been seeing this getting talked about a little bit across the interwebs, but yeah, I'll keep reading. ChatGPT uh, would be confined in the game's developer bubble. Uh, this would be interesting for the player to have the complete control of dialogue with NPCs, maybe with voice recognition tech, as opposed to the Mass Effect dialogue wheel style sentence options, as ChatGPT NPCs would com create completely different experiences and interactions for each player, as well as replayability would also be different. Imagine a games developer or uh, with the license of Dungeons and Dragons uh, having all their NPCs with access uh, of the D&D world, world and lore, which is an interesting point. Yeah. I got to say, that is one of the more interesting kind of takes on utilizing ChatGPT for games that I've heard. Yeah. Um, because there's still a lot of human input required for that to work, right? Like, I mean, that's almost, um, that's almost like how we knew AI to work before ChatGPT rather than like ChatGPT just being this like mind-bogglingly huge library of knowledge mm. where it's like literally just stealing <laughs> from all over the internet. Yeah. Like if, if you had an, an AI where you just, you know, like it used to be with those neural net processes where you train them to like do a specific thing and like if you had this malleable AI and you trained it to be, a 30 year old non-binary sci-fi character yeah. in your like you know uh, visual novel video game or something like that like and yeah like your points around replayability and like different experiences for players um that's really interesting i think i think it's the kind of thing you would just have to test into oblivion yeah. though right because yeah. like I think if you're making a game that has these kind of connections with characters and stories and the like, like you want players to experience specifically the story you had in mind. So like maybe maybe you program like a couple of different options, but the AI is in control of choosing that option, those options based yeah. on like... Yeah, I, I don't know. Talking it out, it kind of just feels like design with extra steps. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just boils back down to the choices in the end anyway, if you're trying to get <laughs> yeah. them to do something in particular, which is the whole point of the dialogue there. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. I have M maybe, yeah, maybe if you, you used it for characters that weren't integral to big plot points or something, like just the merchants in the world, like, you know, yeah. they could draw from, like, maybe things the player had done oh but again it just comes back to like designing them to like say certain lines after the player has done certain things right yeah. like oh <laughs> uh, yeah all right i'm going around in circles what's what's your take yeah uh i mean yeah i think in the end for certain types of games and experiences it does just boil back down to oh well we need the character or the player to have a certain interaction with this thing so that they know what's next to do and mm -hmm. so, you know, then it's just, it, it just, it just means there's extra reading. So as they get to that point in the dialogue, which you try to funnel them towards with their response, you probably just end up having to like craft a bunch of paths that they have to go down with the conversation where it doesn't feel natural because the AI is like railroading the, um, the reader into like getting to a certain point. It's just like right. slightly more intelligent, um, interaction, I guess. Um, yeah. but yeah, I think it could be cool if like you get, to the end of the, the pre-crafted conversation with the NPC. And instead of them just saying like, well met or like, off you go, did you find those berries for me yet? Over and over and over again, you could then have them like 
play the role of a character who you know is like a farmer or whatever and they have like mm. dreams and aspirations and they can tell you about them but it has no bearing on the story or the character right. or the player or anything it's just like here's the flavor of this character um, yeah yeah i think that would be something um yeah i don't know how much it adds if anything like it's kind of just like here's a here's a chatbot for you to talk to in the game with like <laughs> with, with some flavor like i don't know i don't i don't know how much it adds yeah, I think uh, like it is it is one of those problems that were acceptable, right? Like if we use The Witcher 3 as an example, there are so many characters in that game and like a bunch of them are just tiny characters where if you keep talking to them, they just say the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. And like, sure, that might pull you out of the world, but it's pretty acceptable in a game as huge as The Witcher where you're just like, yeah, look, they don't have like infinite staff budget and developing time to make every character super fleshed out but like if you had a version of chat gpt that could be a shortcut in a way to giving those characters dialogue that didn't repeat as much or something like that then maybe but uh yeah it still sounds like quite a bit of work yeah it's definitely not like a plug and play i think there's like I'm yet mm. to see it done, you know? Like, I was thinking about this the other right. day because I saw someone on Twitter talking about, like, ChatGPT and NPCs, and I was like, like, you can have all these, like, you know, pipe dreams and ideas about how this would be really cool because, you know, obviously it seems like it would be really cool, but until you actually put it into practice and see it, you know, play out, it's, like, just a dream, you know? Like, it doesn't mm. have None of the edge cases that you can think about uh, have come to pass and then there's all these edge cases that you can't think about that will come to pass in like mm. a, you know a market that's got like thousands and thousands of players you know like let's say you have your trader use chat gpt for all of their bargaining when they sell you items it's like well someone's mm. going to figure out an exploit that lets you lets the players get items for free you know like they're just going <laughs> to sure, have a, a yeah. line like a prompt that they give they'll figure out what the like do anything now prompt is for this this um <laughs> you know chat gpt market person and then just get everything for free or cheap or whatever um yeah. well they'll tell them some background story into the devs history i don't know whatever anyway uh, pete continues would something like this be a positive or is there something damaging to this approach apologies if there's something offensive to this artist oh sorry apologies if there's something offensive to artists in this question uh, i could have very much missed something completely obvious no you didn't miss anything obvious i think it's a great question no yeah, and we're here to offend artists. Yeah. Never forget that. Fuck, fuck those guys. <laughs> uh, the other question is with the AI self-learning technology or reinforcement learning, if it were... Wait, built- wait, wait. Hold on. So do we think this is a positive or a negative? Oh, the uh, the AI NPCs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think it has the potential to be a positive, but like I said, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm yet to see it be anything. Yeah, I, I think it's the kind of thing where we'll probably see a negative before we see a positive. Like if we see one of those like sketchy steam green light devs that just asset flip and like they can just now chat GPT dialogue flip, like that's what they'll do. I think I've seen that. I think people have already done that. There's like a game where you've got like an overly attached girlfriend and you have to try and escape the apartment. And the, <laughs> the overly attached girlfriend is like a chat GPT. And she's got like a key that you can try and talk her out of giving you. You know, she's like, I've got this key, but I'll never give it to you. And it's like, oh, you talk her out of the, the key. Oh, God. And then she chases you. <laughs> I'll see if I can find that footage and send it to you because it's pretty funny. That, I'm oh, fuck. I mean, that's that's funny on its own. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. You have, you have another question. Uh, yeah. Pete, Pete continues. Um, 
The other question is with the AI self-learning technology or reinforcement learning. If it was built into enemy combat slash bosses, imagine if one of the final bosses in a From Software game had self-learning of the player's movements, skills, and performance during battle. Instead of, oh, the player, <laughs> instead of the player working out the boss's set patterns of techniques uh, against you, the boss is trying to figure out the player. That's interesting. Um, so, all right. So, like, this was Elden Ring's meta-commentary on FromSoft games, right? So, like, you played all your Dark Souls, and I don't know if you noticed, but over time, all the bosses in the Dark Souls games, as we got, like, higher and higher in numbers, they had more tricky telegraphs, right? right. And, and then you pop in Elden Ring... And, like, when they jump up to do an attack, they linger up there for, like, 47 minutes. <laughs> and and it's, it's because it's punishing players for expecting them to obey the laws of gravity or yeah. act like previous bosses. So, in a way, FromSoft have already done that with the Elden Ring bosses. Like, they have such a hard delay on so many of those boss attacks. Yeah. Like the first time you walk into that boss room, you just get owned. Yeah. And in like Dark Souls 1, there are a couple of bosses where like you can fight them for the first time and win. Yeah. Um, and I feel like in Elden Ring, they really used that knowledge against you. So it is kind of similar in that that honestly sounds like a really fun time where, like, a boss is able to kind of learn your technique on the fly. You know, maybe you panic roll too much or maybe you're too greedy and, like, if it could change its behaviour based on that, that would be really cool. But mm. it is pretty similar to the dialogue tree thing, right? Like, yeah. that's also something that you could program in. Maybe with the AI you could have, like the player behavior that it analyzes be more complex yeah. but it's you know it's really going to boil down to like a few things in FromSoft games like using Elden Ring as that example you've got a player that rolls too much that swings too often that maybe jump attacks too often like yeah yeah I still feel like that's something that is programmable when designing a boss yeah it probably doesn't need reinforcement learning or whatever to to be the best version of itself you know like mm. it might just be saying hey we've got this hammer and so you know which is ai learned in self-learning technology and now everything that isn't potentially a nail you know like as a result of us having this tool it's like well not necessarily like we could probably just figure out how to do this without the hammer like there's already ways mm. that we can do it it's just everything seems like a nail because ai exists now Right. And it's like, again, it's something they've kind of done in later entries. Like, it it was really obvious in El Elden Ring, but, like, bosses have certain moves that they just automatically start doing when you do certain things. Like, a bunch of bosses in that game have, like, an auto uh, projectile attack as soon as you use your flask. Right. And, and, like, yeah, it's just, like, something that feels would work just as well if it were intentionally programmed yeah i guess there's like some sort of thing that i come up against with this question or this part of the question where it's like you know imagine if they learn your stuff it's like oh well they can do that whether with ai or with just programming um mm. but it still relies on there being the base design of that boss in the first place in place you know it's like oh right. we need to have those answers already I think the truly right. interesting thing would be if the boss could invent its own animations and own design on the fly based on, you know, all of this information coming in. 
Like now, see, see, that would be fucked, yeah. right? So let's like, if we've got if we've got two kind of concepts here, one where we have an Elden Ring boss mm-hmm. and all the animations and move sets are predefined, and AI informs when it's gonna do what it's gonna do. Mm-hmm. That is beatable. That sounds beatable. But if you have the same boss and like you say, <laughs> it's designing its move set on the fly and it's like learning how you act to punish you. Yeah. <laughs> like is that is that something that you're ever gonna be able to beat? I mean, I don't know. Like it depends on how <laughs> proficiently it learns and what sort of answers it comes up with in terms of sure. like, you know, yeah. But it it's I don't really see that as a super immediate possibility because it, it, there's just so many steps you know mm, um, yeah and what like you say it, it could just be end up being unfair because the boss has just learned you you know yeah uh, i think i think it's a fun idea and if there was like you know some place you could go in elden ring you know like a cave and it had this boss that never died that you know you killed it and you got a victory screen but you could come back and face it again and it had all this ai stuff applied to it that could be fun yeah. but like yeah, as a as like a main story boss or something like that, it kind of it kind of sounds a bit intimidating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of stuff there. Um, interesting question though. Um, Pete goes on. Now, Daz, you have completely introduced a full blown addiction into my life with a certain game. Oh boy. And that game being Slay the Spire. Yes! Yes! Oh my god, I can't tell you how happy that makes me. Oh, good. This game has taken over everything. Even while I was halfway through Persona 5, Slay the Spire... uh, Slay smothered Persona with a pillow. (laughs) 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 And there's nothing Persona could do about it, which is crazy Uh, because I absolutely love Persona. Yeah. I've been playing it for Uh, over a month month now, and I still only play... have only played the Ironclad class for... I'm just gobsmacked with the welcoming, uh, but surprisingly deep complexity to this game. That seems to have no end to it. I can't imagine trying any other class yet, which is incredible. Oh, that's awesome, dude. Um, That is so fucking cool. uh, The question is, how can a game like Slay take over so dominantly? (laughs) What does it say about players with reward systems in video games? Two completely different games, Persona being gain reward. Sorry, Persona long gain reward system and slays short burst reward system uh could there be a top five list of games that have surprised you with thinking it's simple but secretly have deep system within it um we might have to answer that question on the following pod because i think there's a bit of stuff that is juicy in there and we're running out of time totally um oh man i'm so happy to hear you're into slay the spy pete and i i think a lot of answers to the why is slay the spire like this question is that the design is just perfection Mm. in that game like it's just so perfect the balance (laughs) of how everything works is perfect because like you know like we've talked about before the art isn't much to look at and the music doesn't like knock you out of the park or anything but like when you strip slay the spire like down to ones and zeros it's like a perfect video game yeah like there, there's just no flaws in like how you tackle every run and like the characters mix things up the cards the relics and um yeah i've spoken to to people who have started playing slay the spire and like you they're just like man i've got like a hundred hours but I, st- I still have only played ironclad you know like i'm still just trying to get it right and work it out and i just yeah i just love that there's so many different ways to play 
totally yeah it's like it's like tetris you know it's just like perfection um with the design <laughs> yeah. but it's like yeah. way more complicated than tetris um so yeah slay the spire great game um Hell yeah. glad you're into it pete that's cool uh pete continues joe never fear that the chat gpt could make a it's almost the weekend podcast (laughs) (laughs) for it could never come up with the beautifully elegant analogy of you saying it's got its finger in the pie but we're not full-blown pie fisting yet (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's look that is pretty original uh i'd love to hear joe do a deep dive into something sorry deep dive into some of the artists in the industry working on some of the latest animation techniques and modeling software that's really on the frontier uh that you'd love to see where it could go perhaps be a big game changer for game slash modeling and animation uh thanks for bringing insight and fun into our weekend guys keep up the amazing work from pete amazing pete thank you so much hell yeah yeah i mean i did the animation episode last week but maybe i'll i'll try and noodle out some more of what you've got in that question there and talk about like frontier cutting edge stuff at some point i think that'd be a fun fun epi. dude the fans want it we just want to hear you talk about animation forever <laughs> uh okay, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> uh cool that was great we love getting emails yeah. it's our favorite thing thank you Pete. bless you have a have a lovely rest of your week pete and uh yeah can't wait to hear from you again Hell yeah. All right. Well, we'll, um, we'll, we'll, uh, troll through that offline and see if we, we can get some topics out of there. Cause yeah, that was, that was deep. Yeah. There's lots of good, good juicy bits in there. Um, all right, man, you ready to wrap this up? Yeah. Shit. One of our longest ever. Um, yeah. Pie sucks. Hope you have a great weekend. <laughs> Pie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it it doesn't suck. We get we get to say that because we talked about it so much. It's just it's just extremely average. Yeah. Um, all right. We love you all. We'll speak soon. Goodbye. Bye.